Welcome to Connected at the Roots, a Big Forest podcast that talks about Midwestern values, character, and camaraderie through the lens of business. I'm Jordan Harms from Big Forest. Our guest today is entrepreneur and business owner Scott Colby. Scott is a well-plugged and very well-connected businessman in the St. Louis and St. Charles area. He owns Colby Co. Marketing, which he calls a brand media company in Darting Prairie, Missouri, which is in the O'Fallon zip code. And for those of you who don't know where that is or you're not from the area, that's about 45 minutes west of St. Louis City. Everyone I talk to seems to know who this guy is. Everyone knows Scott. He is very well plugged in the St. Charles County kind of local government scene, but also business scene. He's also very involved with St. Louis and St. Louis County. And this guy shares our passion for the Midwest and growing the St. Louis area. And we talk about it in the actual episode, but he definitely recognizes the sort of renaissance that is occurring right now at the time of this recording um, in early 2020. And he has a really good story. And like a lot of us, his actions Acts 1, 2, and 3 to his hero's journey narrative don't start in a glamorous setting, and I don't think he necessarily 100% planned to end up in the seat that he's in now, but he owns it well, and he has the same struggles that the rest of us have in business ownership, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. Incidentally, he is actually the first guest ever recorded for this podcast, and is one of the key people involved in getting this thing off the ground. We recorded his interview at Colby Co. in Darting Prairie, a very slick office space, great atmosphere, the whole shebang. Anyway... I'll let Scott tell the story for himself. Scott, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. This is uh, exciting. I appreciate what you guys are doing for the state of Missouri and St. Charles County. But a um, little background on myself. We started Colby Co. back in 2001. My wife started it as an independent contractor, got hired for a consulting gig, and Next thing you know, it started growing into a company. Didn't really have an intention or like a official founding date, but we got rolling. And the next thing you know, you start doing work and somebody else hires you and then somebody else hires you and you start forming it into a company. So uh, here you are in brick and mortar and everything. (laughs) Yeah, we we started it, you know, started in the front bedroom and, you know, it was my wife and I was the venture capitalist. I always tease because I still had the job with health insurance. And then uh, <laughs> I was doing little little help and pitching stories and things like that for clients. And next thing you know, you'd get some media coverage back in the day when the Post-Dispatch was like two inches thick instead of like a tenth of an inch. And um, it makes severe impacts for these clients and get their story told. So that's that's how we got started. And next thing you know, I ended up um, my office after right after 9-11 was going to close the office in St. Louis. I worked for a tech company and then was either moved to Peoria or um, find a new job. So we decided to bet the farm. And next thing you know, we started Colby Co. officially and incorporated it and did all the things you're supposed to do. So that's fantastic. Thanks for the kind words about what we're doing for the Midwest. (laughs) It's a it's a tall order, but it's people like you that help. I, I understand. Well, from my point of view, seems like everybody knows you around here. Scott Colby, have you talked to him? Like, you know, he's the guy. Tell me a little bit about Colby Co. itself. What does your company do? Uh, you know, we started out as a as a PR firm. So that's that was our bread and butter. We were pitching stories. Yeah. I, I worked in sales for um, two software companies. And, like, I enjoyed the sales side of helping people and getting the ideas out there. I really didn't like closing sales and, and, and the quota side of things. So um, I, we just found it really rewarding to pitch stories. And the next thing you know, they would, they would grow and 
like one of our clients was an e-commerce site in the early days. And he's like, oh, we were in the Post-Dispatch and we sold $15,000 worth of $50 products in one day. And he goes, normally we don't sell anything in St. Louis. So, and then as it grew, um, like blogging started out early on, we were one of the first to get into that. With a tech background, I was like, hey, this seems like a great opportunity to get content and start getting your story told. And the, the company just evolved into what I call a brand media company, which essentially you can be your own media outlet today. Um, oh, yeah. The old days, like if the business journal, like they still are pretty powerful in St. Louis, but like the post doesn't have the impact it did. There's not there's not a whole floor of business writers sitting around telling stories. In there's not? <laughs> And um, so as that all started evolving, then then we started looking at things and started building websites because we just saw that there was like a gap with a WordPress background. There was a gap in people using it for using it websites as communication tools. So that just kind of evolved there. And then it, it's morphed into more digital and measuring. Everybody wants to measure everything today. So, sure. So it's all built into dashboards and the effectiveness of PR, reach, <clears throat> social media. But we're really just getting stories told through traditional media influencers and and just telling it ourselves. So, yeah, totally. So you rode that digital wave for yeah. sure, like the rest of us. <laughs> well, I I uh, I, I worked uh, pre Y two K. I worked for a software company and. Um, Back then, like as a salesperson, as we were in our 20s at the time, and we kind of joked that we were really overpaid for what we were doing because you just people had to upgrade their sure. software <laughs> and <laughs> had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> and you saw the impact of that. But then right after Y2K, it got really quiet in the office after that because nobody wanted to spend any money. So it was it was just an interesting wave. And um, and as we morphed into building a company, my dad owned his own company as well. So I always kind of had this oh, cool. itch, itch to be an entrepreneur. My dad actually highly advised me to not be an entrepreneur. But That's what any good entrepreneur would say. <laughs> Speaking from experience, don't, don't do it. <laughs> I was telling the story earlier um, about starting, starting the business. And I also was interviewing for jobs because they were closing the office and, uh, um, I ended up getting a job offer at Microsoft at the time and I looked at it and I was in <laughs> uh, some friends of mine that worked there. They were they were in their late 40s at the time and they were so burned out. And I was like, I just don't want to do that. And, um, you know, you're just forcing people to upgrade for no specific reason, no purpose other than we need more money. And um, I was like, I just need a sign. And so I went to boot up my laptop and Windows crashed. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't a sign for me, but my wife kept pointing out, maybe that's your sign. I'm not as always aware as maybe she is of those things. But I decided, <laughs> we decided to go move forward at that point. And I worked for a software company that was publicly traded. So I, I had some stock I acquired through sales quotas and stuff. So sure. that's what we used to fund the company. And of course, it took twice as long and cost twice as much to get it off the ground. So when did Colby Co become Colby Co? Like your name is in it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't always Colby Co. And is that was that pre or post marriage that you like made the company? Because I know that your wife is very involved and did you like when did you rebrand and it become kind of your own thing in 2001 my wife was consulting and working with another consultant and um he he at that time decided that 
this entrepreneur thing was a little bit too much for him at the time and going through a divorce and said, I can't do this anymore. And it happened to be the timing was about the same point where the company I was at was going to close the office in St. Louis. So August 2001 is officially when we incorporated. We were out <laughs> figuring out, like, what are we going to do? And we originally were Colby Co. Marketing Resources. We figured we'd be the outsourced marketing um, component or marketing director for small to medium-sized businesses back then. So tell me about Colby Co. itself. Like what, what makes Colby Co. tick its core values and, you know, like what, what sort of like list of, you know, like 10 commandments, if you will, do you guys like operate by around here that, that sets you apart, you know, that, that has allowed you to keep going and continue. I mean, it's, you guys are all super nice. I know that much. That definitely helps. <laughs> when we started working with Colby Co., what we, what we found was, is there were a lot of agencies that did really great creative and I, I was really inspired by them. And a lot of those are still around, but what we felt we did really well is digging deep into the why around these companies and, and a couple editors, uh, Ron at small business monthly, if you're familiar with them, he's like, your clients have the most interesting stories. He's like, I don't hear stories like this all the time. And we don't feel like our clients necessarily had this completely different story. We just dug a lot deeper and really getting to know them. And really, at the end of the day, there's so many things you can do to make money. But these clients really are nerds with their products. They wanted to leave a legacy. And we really embrace that. And as we were doing that, we just our, my philosophy was always like move one client forward every day. And if you do that as a team and if we're all doing that, you're going to make a dramatic impact. And it's that consistency, you know, viral videos and things like that. You hear that. And while it's not as yeah. much the case anymore, they just, it's that consistency that keeps people rolling. It's totally. And so that's, that's where we try to keep everybody just rolling and staying, staying with where they need to be in their lane. So I actually use the philosophy cause I, I trained for triathlons and so that's swim, bike and running every week. And it's about consistency. Mm -hmm. You can't just go out and go run a bunch of mileage without building up to it. So I, I always view it the same way. Actually, that's the same methodology I use for, for clients, um, ultimately having a plan. So we're not looking at each other each month going, okay, what are we going to do this month? And, um, and then just measuring whether we're actually having an impact. And I think there's a lot of talented marketing folks in St. Louis and um, they all have their niches. And I think that's just where we really play well. So. Gotcha. I like that. You mentioned the word story mm -hmm. a lot and storytelling and stories period is something that's very, very important to big forest. And it's really something we're trying to get at in the Midwest and with business owners such as yourself, but everyone does have a story and that term is thrown around all the time, but the classic storytelling sort of rubric long before film or podcasts was you have a beginning, you have a middle and you have an end. And those are all very significant and they all play into one another, but they form one overall story arc. So you've kind of mentioned your beginnings. Um, you said your dad was an entrepreneur. Did you just kind of become like entrepreneurial through observation because you said that he didn't he was like don't do it <laughs> like but I, I guess your act one out of three for your like story arc would be what exactly did you always want to be a business owner even in even in high school I, I started I, I got I had some economics classes I had a teacher uh, Mrs. Berthold that really inspired a lot of us. We still stay in touch in high school. I went to Francis Howell North or the first graduating class, but 
I, she taught economics and I just really got into it. And that was something I was like, Hey, I wonder if I could do something with this. And then sure. I interviewed for an internship at the federal reserve in St. Louis. I was like, Oh boy, I don't know if I could handle this. You're sitting at a desk all day and not moving. And I just realized that probably wasn't where I was going to go. So then, um, I decided to work in a pharmacy and become a pharmacy tech and thinking, well, I'll get into pharmaceutical sales because that looks like something that has a has a future to it. Sure. And about the time I was graduating from college was when they decided to reform the whole industry and it was basically everybody was getting laid off. So those plans didn't quite work out how I hoped. And then I got into sales and I, I enjoyed a lot of aspects. I really enjoy working with people and solving the problem aspect. But the companies I worked for, it was always about the dollars and it was always about the profitability, which is important. It's the fuel for a company, but there wasn't a lot of purpose behind it. It was something I really struggled with. I'm, I was just having a conversation last night with a, my triathlon coach and she's like, well, you're a really sensitive guy. And she goes, you take things really personally. And I think that's the part that I really take it personally with clients. I'm like, I love to see them grow. I love to see when they're really growing. And when I work with somebody that's like a venture capital or some equity partner thing, and it's all about dollars. It's really hard for me to stay engaged in that. And, but when you see things like we really making an impact, it's like, wow, this is really rewarding. And, you know, just early days of pitching stories, it was like, wow, that completely changed their business. They got this opportunity here. We got this guy on the today show and he's like, their business went through the roof. I was like, this is so awesome. And like, Yes, we made some money out of doing that work, but watching him and watching his company grow through that was just so inspiring to me. And that's really what, what gets me out of bed every day. I, I probably should be more focused on our own company's metrics and revenue, but I, I really watch watching clients grow is so exciting for me. I mean, in a way, it's like you're you are supporting your company through that, I would say, because it's keeping you going. And I like that. That's cool. So that's kind of your act one, I guess. Your act two, which is if you watch any classical work of film or whatever, is kind of your fork in the road of, is this going to make it? Is this not going to make it? Should I do something else? Do you have a time in your mind that you can think of where it was like, things are really hard right now and this whole you know starting a business thing might not work out? Absolutely. The recession nearly annihilated us. Um, sure. I remember September of 07, our CPA is like, you guys are doing great. Like, all my other clients are hurting and our clients were spending money and thinking the recession would end at some point and would, they could kind of market through it and just try to keep their market share. And then it just kind of kept cruising through 08. It was, it was relatively flat, but we're like, Hey, we're still doing well. And then the election of 09, November of 09, literally for a week straight, Lauren and I got phone call after phone call saying, Hey, we're going to stop everything. We got to pause everything. And we lost 45% of our business in a week right after that election. And that was the point where I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, you know, we had, we had a little bit of cushion, but we didn't have enough to get through. We thought, well, surely we can get through this. We'll, we'll get out of this. But it was incredibly hard. 2010, one of us didn't get a paycheck. It was like, they I went to go, I was like, okay, we're gonna have to refinance the house to figure out how to get some money. And then our house was now worth less than we paid for it a decade ago. <laughs> so <Go> we were, figure. <laughs> we're like, okay, we didn't figure that out. And, and through all that, I bought this Northwestern mutual policy from a guy I went to high school with that he still doesn't speak to me since then, but I had to cash that policy in. And that's 
what made us get through it. And, and we just worked our way through it and finally just dug our way out. And ironically, we got a referral from an ex-employee that it was an awesome opportunity. It was like a year and a half later. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect opportunity for us. And it was with a major hospital group and it was just a great opportunity and it was our sweet spot they want to expand into st charles county and we're the only firm out here that really understood the pr side of st charles county so it just was a great opportunity for us and it was really rewarding work for us so but through all that i think i put on 50 pounds at the time sure hi <laughs> lots of bottles of wine and uh uh-huh figuring out how to get through this. So yeah. it was a really, really tough time. I mean, I was a lot of soul searching, whether we should still be in business, whether we could survive. That was tough. I, 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 I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about people and I learned a lot about myself. So, so it was really that referral that was kind of like your little lifeline. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, this could be a, a way out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, was that another Midwestern company? So it was a, a hospital or a medical? Yeah, it um, was Mercy. We did. It was Mercy. Okay. Yeah, they, awesome. they came in and they talked, they were talking to the largest PR firm in St. Yeah. Louis and in the world really. And, yep. and, um, but they didn't really have the expertise in St. Charles County. So we, we had that expertise and knew all the players kind of understood mm-hmm. how all the dynamics worked in St. St. Charles County and really could execute a good plan. And that was about a three year project for us. It was great That's to watch awesome. them deliver on that. Yeah. So you got out of your rut, you chose the right path or, you know, not, you'll never know now, but here we are in your act three of your story arc of Colby Co. Like, has it all just been smooth sailing since then? Has it been just up and up and up or has there been like kind of some you know, bumps along the way. Like what, what are your, like, what are your plans now looking forward? So, you know, I, I think this last year, um, actually this past year was kind of a tough one because what we're seeing with our clients is as they've grown now, there's a lot of private equity that's out buying small companies. And I'm talking like two to $10 million companies mm-hmm. and they're buying up these small tech companies and pulling them together. And these are wealthy people that, you know, they just want to return on their money as they grow it a little bit, a little bit each year, and then they pull these companies together and sell it, and that's how they measure their returns. So they look at things a lot differently than like an entrepreneur would, where they got to pay their bills and yeah. hopefully get a little extra on top and and things like that. So we had four clients go through that all in the fourth quarter this last year, and wow, we kept two and lost two. So it was um, okay. <laughs> it was, and one of those was a. 15 year relationship, but you know, they, the other group that they joined with was, um, had an agency out of New York with 120 people. We got 10. So it was one of those things where they had a lot of resources and, and, you know, fortunately keep that relationship positive with, with the owner of that company. But, you know, it's hard when you watch him go from literally his garage, he was in his garage to, he was on the Inc 5,000 list nine years in a row. He went to about a $25 million company. And I took a lot of pride in that, but I also understood where they were at and why they had to do it. So, okay. So it's not just like, everything's great now, like perfect, but you're working through it. (laughs) You know, and actually staffing is, is interesting because that's, um, you know, we, we, we struggled this past year with that. It's Mm -hmm. like, Social media has changed so much, and isn't that the truth? <laughs> and how to leverage that for clients? I, I've, I've talked with a few agency owners, and it's like, well, if I post on social media as a company, I can't necessarily say like this is going to have a huge impact. Like the ad side of social media yeah. is pretty powerful, but it's like, how do you measure that? And I think a lot of 
a lot of clients have been looking at it going like, is Facebook really going to change my business? Because the algorithms are different. The stuff doesn't show up as often. Yeah. It's so, very, very consumer based. Too. Yes. It's something I'm, our company is running into where it's like, yeah, I mean, we can brag about these videos all day long, but what are the chances a business that needs video work is going to see this as opposed to other, you kind of, you kind of have to like go around social media nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a giant rock slide in the road. Mm -hmm. It used to be like, all right, let's use this. But now all the rocks are in place and you're kind of like, all right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so what you're looking around going, what's next? Like what, yep. what's going to yeah, be the next thing? Happen? And, yeah. and uh, it's, I mean, you look at Facebook 10 years ago and the Facebook today, it almost has become an entirely different beast. It just happens to have the same name. Yeah. I kind of look at it. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember my first job with a software company and it was 1998. So, and they're training us on how to use Outlook. So we had never, I'd never, their email was not in the workplace at that time. And watching that and that dynamic and how that's grown into yeah. the beast it is today. Oh my gosh. And then looking at Facebook and just how that what that, happened? <laughs> what happened? And and I look at it and go, I, I don't know. I, I don't see brands investing in Facebook with the current mm -hmm. and the current types of conversations going on. I, some consumer brands will, but sure. Um, at this at this rate, I think they'll leverage other other platforms like Instagram or TikTok yep. or something like that and paying influencers. I, uh, you know, I, one of the other things I didn't mention that I think is important for entrepreneurs. Sure. I, I joined. Um, EO, it's, uh, there's an accelerator group that are companies a million and under in revenue. And it's really an accountability group. You spend a quarter, every quarter you spend a full day at WashU. They have top-notch instructors telling you how to work through people issues, financial strategy, and things like that. And then every month you meet with your group and they hold you accountable. And I found that to be a great venue because there's, uh, there's an agreement that um, confidentiality and privacy. So you have the ability to just have somebody to talk to. You can't, yeah. it's hard to be an entrepreneur and you can share some things. Yeah. You kind of got to be knives out all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just figuring out having a venue. And actually that's been a great, mm -hmm. great opportunity for me. It's help, helped us. It actually was probably one of the biggest game changers for our business from a, a financial stability standpoint was helping us restructure financials and rethinking how to measure whether we're being successful or not. So would you still consider yourself an entrepreneur or are you more of just more of a business owner? I, I feel like, you know, at the beginning of my company, I had my entrepreneur hat on and was very, like I said, knives out and like kind of aggressive, but also trying to, you know, like make relationships where you can where they matter and be strategic and but then it's like oh like we actually kind of got this thing off the ground like now we need to maintain it would you say you're more like are you still kind of in an entrepreneur mindset just philosophically does that keep your company going or is it okay let me maintain this like nest you know and like start like doing some housekeeping and keeping it up and or is there not really a distinction for the two for I, I i think that it's definitely more managing and operational stuff that mm -hmm. um, was not my strength and i continually work on that but um i do have that entrepreneur bug of wanting to do something else Me as too. another thing <laughs> yeah and um you know that that's 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 been this burning desire thing that i've like okay i can do this and how can I let this kind of become its own thing and support itself? And maybe I can go do my next chapter and whatever that might be. So 
because um, that's the part I love. I, and, and that's mm-hmm. that's probably why I love working with entrepreneurial clients, because yeah. I get to dig in <laughs> and make it my own. So, yeah, kind of vicariously like. Yeah, you could you could tell when an entrepreneur is authentic and when they're yeah. excited, it's oh, yeah. it's contagious. So I know this is probably the biggest game changer after the recession. And, and the EO group said, because Lauren and I never gave ourselves a paycheck. We just took what was ever left over. And they're like, you have to pay yourself first and and then pay all your expenses. And if there's any money left over, then great. You got a bonus. And um what that did is really helped us put a structure and build reserves because that's what I did learn after the recession is if you don't have any cash, you're in trouble if if you have a have a blip. And, and business isn't linear. I think everybody thinks it's going to be this linear growth pattern and you're going to have dips. And sometimes you'll see them coming and sometimes you won't. And some of them are in your control and some aren't. So Good advice. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, we've talked a lot about Colby Co. itself, um, but I'd love to talk to you about the area being the Midwest, we're in St. Charles County right now, Darting Prairie, technically, mm-hmm. but in the O'Fallon zip code, I think you said. How do you like the area? Do you think Do you think living in this area, um, I know we were talking before we started recording, you said you were born and brewed here, <laughs> which I really like. Has that been an advantage, a disadvantage? Um, like, what What are your thoughts on the Midwest and being being right in the middle of the country? You know, you're not in Silicon Valley, you know, you're kind of in a, its own version of Silicon Valley, depending on who you talk to, but you're not in the one that everybody recognizes. Um, you know, I, I I like the Midwest. I like St. Charles County. Um, in the early days when we first started, it was really hard to get clients to consider us in St. Charles County. Um, that stereotypes kind of broken down over time and and there doesn't seem to be that stigma anymore um we had a lot of pressure to relocate move into down in the city and i i do actually like the city a lot i love a lot of what's going on in the city meaning st louis yeah the city city of st louis from soccer to south grand central west end cortex i mean i think it's all amazing and i think the whole st louis area benefits from it but i also appreciate st charles county and what they're trying to do it's great quality of life. Um, I, I like to see St. Charles be regional and be a part of the regional conversation because I think if we all do well together, we all benefit. Midwest, I I do love Colorado. I, you know, that's that's a place where like I uh, I did uh, I did Ironman Boulder in June and I slept in a tent for ten days prior to that in Rocky Mountain National Park and it's by myself. My favorites. And uh, I could spend a lot of time out yep. there. I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much if I lived there all the time. But um, I love it out there. So yeah, that's what I have to tell myself too. I'm like, but if I lived here, wouldn't it get old? I don't actually know if it would, but. I love the mountains. I'm with you, man. I'm camping. <laughs> I, I I would love to see more people in St. Charles County specifically be bigger risk takers and, and push it a little bit harder. I think that there's a reluctance sometimes to just take the risk. And so like when you look at things like the OPO and seeing companies come in there, I think that's a great thing. And I'd like to see more of that. I'd love to see more innovation um like when you look at like the whole like where the danforth center is and all that that's going on in st louis that's amazing like we're like we have some of the top plant scientists in the world are right here in st louis and that whole area is just going to keep growing the way it is and um you know uh, you look at cortex and that was a vision of 15 years ago and 20 years ago and now it's just amazing what it's become and and companies are coming in that would have never considered. So I'm, I'm pretty bull. I'm pretty bullish on St. Louis right now. Yeah, awesome. 
And I wanted to loop in St. Louis too with everything. Not just St. Charles. We like you too, St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned the OPO for the listener. That's the old post office. It's a like a small business incubator is kind of the way they like to put it and the way I put it. Um, my business is based out of there too. Like we we obviously we're a video company, so we work elsewhere, but that is a great resource. And I have noticed a lot of those types of like the EDC is another kind of area that's really trying to lift everyone up yeah. by the bootstraps. I sit on the STL made committee representing St. Charles County, which uh, those that aren't familiar with STL made, that's a big movement to get the, all the great things going on in St. Louis really internally to St. Louis and get everybody aligned and then tell that story at a national level. So, you know, they featured a gaming company here in St. Louis that yeah, tried, right. tried going down to Austin and then moved back here. They just felt the quality of workforce was better here. And um, so they stayed here and now they actually are teaching kids over at Maryville on how to code and program gaming. And uh, in that, um, Andy Taylor, who, you know, he was the CEO of Enterprise. He was actually the founder's son. So he, he shared his story, which I, it was really awesome to hear it. He shared it with the communication folks. He's like, well, my dad came in when I was like 10 and said, take good care of your clothes because I'm getting ready to start a company and <laughs> you're going to have to wear them for a while. And he yep. goes, by 16, I was the repo man and Enterprise today in St. Louis is one of the most successful companies and a great story. But yep. I think everybody just assumed they started with a, you know, some some great opportunity, but it was literally in, in your house and starting out mm -hmm. like every other entrepreneur and has a tremendous impact. And now yeah. he's now they're giving back. And he's one of the people along with the folks at Worldwide and some other folks that are really like trying to help people understand all the great things in St. Louis internally and then externally. And yeah. I think they'll be really successful at it. Yeah. So I've noticed, um, at least myself recently, there's kind of been this like renaissance of the area kind of happening. Like you kind of said a lot of the, like the stereotypes of the Midwest, which we don't need to go into what all those are, but you know, we're just like farmland, right? Like a flyover state along with a lot of other flyover states. <laughs> um, but we're not. And, and a lot of, a lot of people I've, I've noticed like downtown St. Charles on the main street and also streets of St. Charles and you know, all these kind of younger blood esque like attractive areas are kind of being built um but i've noticed like a lot of paraphernalia like i'm not wearing my hat right now but i have like this st louis missouri hat that doesn't have anything else on it it's not a cardinal's hat it's a like i'm from the area and and i'm proud of it why do you think that is i i've i've been kind of noticing this wave and we're trying to ride it you know with this podcast and a lot of other things but it's I think you're right. Like the stereotypes are kind of starting to break down and people are starting to realize that other states other than just California and New York have some things to offer. No offense to anybody in either of those places, but you know what I'm saying? And and I have noticed that also. Is it just sort of like a pendulum and it's just swinging in our favor right now or or do you think it's here to stay? And, you know, I I think that. I think it's here to stay. I, I, I talked to some folks, a, a friend of mine, um, good friend of mine, she owns Clementine's Naughty and Nice Ice Cream. And awesome. <laughs> she she came Love from it. West Coast. She came here and mm -hmm. was like, this is amazing. The things to do here, the culture, the the food scene. And I mean, she launched an ice cream brand after working for a Fortune 500 company. And she's like, St. Louis is amazing with their support and helping me get up off the ground and you know, she's expanding throughout the region. And um, 
I, there's a lot of cultural things here that are just free that I don't even know if people realize are really in their backyard. That Do you have some examples? Well, my wife, she went to USC, and so she grew up in St. Louis, and so they went to go to the San Diego Zoo, and this is, you know, 30 years ago. But sure. the fee was like $20 to go to the zoo, and she was like, your zoo's not free? Like, <laughs> like those are yep. just some of the examples, but That's just— true. You know, from the symphony and things that they're doing to cross over and the fox and so many, there's so many really pretty interesting things. And then I think there's the obvious things, but I think there's like these subcultures, like the South Grand area is, I think, a great one. I think Frenchtown and St. Charles, as that gets off the ground, it's just a tremendous opportunity for young folks to get in and get a business off the ground, maybe live there. I think you'll see more and more of that. I, I like the Tower Grove area. My, yeah. We designed um, bike jersey for Big Shark. That's a, just a St. Yeah. Louis bike jersey. He's like, that's my number one selling jersey. People come in and they love it. He goes, they like. He goes, a lot of them are out of town people that just want a souvenir from St. Louis, and that's what they that's love. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, we're not just a pretty arch and a good baseball team, although that helps. <laughs> I, I think the things going on in Eureka and the mountain bike scene that they're getting yeah. ready to start up. I, I think we just haven't seen the opportunities like some other regions have and Chattanooga is a city that, um, cause I do Iron Man's has just embraced Iron Man big time. And, yeah. and you know, they've got Volkswagen there now and they've got soccer and mm. like they, they, they really got ahead of it and they're really positive and upbeat. And I see more of that in St. Louis. There's not this like comparing ourselves to some other city, but like people, I think the next generation moving into leadership roles is like focus on what they want, not what we don't have. So that's excellent. I, I would tell you like 15 years ago, I, I had concerns and I, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited. I think, I think there's more and more, like you see what great rivers greenway and all these trails yeah. interconnecting the region. And I think people are just going to learn how to get around this city more and more. Do you think there's any remaining disadvantages of being kind of in this like landlocked area for Colby Co specifically, or is it, I guess by nature of your business, you can kind of like, could you theoretically have a client from like Washington state or something, or is that like, or do you, or do you try to focus more locally? Uh, we, we have had clients in other areas. It's usually just cause we have experience and they like, we've got client in Chicago that were in the pet industry that, um, just reputation. We got referred into it and yeah. it, it doesn't matter as much today. It's so much easier to transfer files, technology communicate. Yep. So I think it's ultimately regions have to realize that ultimately you're selling quality of life. Um, no company's going to build their base here if they don't think it's a great place to be. Yeah. And clearly you do think it's a great place to be. So I do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, um, I, I think the more, more we can get around and explore what's in St. Louis. I, I love, I love exploring all the different parts of this area. Me too. I've, been here my whole life and i feel like every time i go downtown there's a new place to eat and they're like we've been here for 30 years and i'm like what <laughs> you have yeah yeah i think that's that's true we're a great food town great beer town and i think you're right like culturally things are finally starting to kind of take off and people are starting to recognize what we have to offer and just the quality of life and the cost of living and yeah and when you look at things like austin and portland and stuff like yeah people like these movements take a while they don't take a long time they don't happen overnight but you can see more of it happening i, I think the hardest part and you know things like ferguson and stuff kind of brought it to light is like we just have to figure out how to incorporate and give everybody opportunities to be mm -hmm. successful and you know, I, I actually worked with a market demographics guy about 15 years ago, and he was talking about, well, somebody decided to decide to basically divide St. Louis right down the middle. And one side has money and one side doesn't. And one's advantage, one's disadvantage. And I feel like 
like we worked on a project that was on Del Mar and it's high end con apartments and yeah. $2,000 a month. And you know, they leased out really quickly. So like things are starting to cross over in sure. areas that they never would have 15 years ago. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, like Google made their biggest investment in one of these plant sciences in St. Louis. It was a significant investment in one of the startups that spun off of that that could be um, the next bear-type company in St. Louis. So, um, you know, plant science is kind of the next big thing when you look at things like Impossible mm -hmm. Burgers and Beyond Burgers and things like that. That's got oh, to yeah. feed the future. So That's true. Everybody's got to have their keto vegan options. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw this term out there. Midwestern grit. Is that something you've heard? What is that to you? You know, I think there's a work ethic and there's a moral aspect in St. Louis that um, you don't see very often. We we did a project for an agency out of New York. They, they were promising a lot of things, but weren't actually delivering, but told client it was done. And I'm like, I just can't live with myself. And I don't see agency owners in St. Louis thinking that way. And um, I think that people really work hard here. Like I, I, I don't have clients that are just sitting around goofing off and, and they work hard. They work side by side with their teams and uh, roll up their sleeves. And, you know, they, I think people hit certain milestones or successes. They might, they might, um, you know, reward themselves, but it's usually s still significantly more conservative than you look at like a, the coast. So, so you don't think it's a made up term? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's definitely here and goes on here. I think, you know, if we could get some more, um, uh, capital opportunities in St. Louis, I think is more, I think as you see some more companies grow and have success stories, mm -hmm. I think more capital come here at some point, it doesn't really matter where you're located. It doesn't matter if you're, if the cost to get talent out on the West coast is that high, why not just build that base of people? And, and you see groups here in St. Louis doing that. Yeah. Teaching the next group of mm -hmm. coders and things like that. Yeah, I feel like the hemorrhaging has kind of slowed down of people just fleeing the state after graduating college and stuff. I have everything I could ever want here, you know, but if I want to, I could drive 30 minutes west and see the stars, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can go out and go out to wine country and explore out there. Oh, and yeah. and I, I think even things like that, like that you have people, you have a bunch of stubborn Germans out there. They're like, okay, if you're going to say our wine's not as good as somewhere else, we're going to keep working harder at it. And I can <laughs> see that next generation starting to crop up and you're starting to see breweries showing up out there. And like yeah. good news brewing is, is fun to watch those guys great, grow. Great people. Yeah. Let's wrap it up with some advice that you could give somebody. If you had a piece of advice you could give to an entrepreneur starting up a business as Mr. Colby Co., what would you give them? You know, I, I talked earlier in the podcast about, um, having that job offer and being at that situation where I need to make a decision. And the headhunter recruiter at that time said, you know, I've seen a lot of guys like you. He goes, if he goes, if you want to go start your own business, go for it. But the one piece of advice he gave me was just look at this as the only way you can put food on the table and you'll be successful. He goes, as soon as you look for another opportunity, you're going to fail. And that didn't resonate with me right away, but I realized once you have a little bit of doubt, and as soon as you start doubting yourself, you won't be successful. As soon as you turn out, tune out all the naysayers, if you got everything and you really got a good strategy and a good plan and a good product or service, you will be successful. You just got to get the story told. All comes back to story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would tell people if, if, I was, if I was looking back, I would, you know, you go to college, I would probably try to start the business as soon as I possibly can and wouldn't. 
I would set aside resources if you if you do work for a few years, but you know, live lean and get that get that thing off the ground. And it doesn't take a lot. I was listening to another group that started a really successful uh, business, and you would think they had a lot of resources. They started it with fifteen thousand, and looking at the scale of the business, you would say there's no way they started that with fifteen thousand. Yeah. So, just wow. just do it. All right, just do it. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Colby. Cool. Well, Scott, thanks a lot, man. It's well, hopefully we can get this thing off the ground. You're uh, guest number one. Um, where can people find more about you? I know you're on Facebook and, and whatnot. Or if somebody wants your services or just wants to learn more about Colby Co., where can they go? Um, ColbyCo.net's our website, K-O-L-B-E-C-O.net. Um, Facebook, Instagram, um, probably more. My Instagram stuff's a little more my personal passions. But, um, you know, you can always reach out and usually out and about in the community a lot too but um you see a lot of pictures of dogs <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah we we got really involved with the rescue community in five acres and actually we're i'm behind an, an initiative we're working on to make st charles county the uh, or st charles city the first no-kill city on the eastern half of missouri oh, wow. okay awesome be looking out for that thank you very much scott thanks Thanks for listening to Connected at the Roots, a Big Forest podcast. Our guest today was Scott Colby. To find out more about Scott and Colby Co., his brand media company, you can go to colbyco.net. That is K-O-L-B-E-C-O.net. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow Scott at scolby29 on Instagram, which I highly recommend. His adventurous posts are always a joy to see. Lots of dogs, lots of mountains, lots of biking. Cool stuff. Cool guy. Please like us, review us, and follow Connected at the Roots on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever as you listen. Until next time, keep being kind and keep working hard. Oh,